0: Tuesday, it's AWA Unleashed Day. We are the preeminent number one self proclaimed podcast and video stream dedicated to the American wrestling. My name, I'm one part of it. Let's uh, go ahead and bring in, well, let's just bring him in just because I want to bring him in. And that is, oh, nice, nice facial expressions there, Mick How you doing? I'm doing
1: very well. You know, I was going to ask you, you, you added the self-proclaimed number one preeminent. So now is that a, like a disclaimer now? I thought that was universally accepted.
0: Well, it should be universally accepted, but I feel like I need to put a disclaimer in, you know, in case somebody's trying to hoard in on our territory.
1: Okay, if, I got it. You
0: know, this nobody else can be the preeminent because I have, I have self-glossed us, the preeminent.
1: Okay. All right. That so does, that,
0: does that make sense?
1: It, it absolutely does. I, Good. uh, yep. Yep. I'm with you. I'm on the same page as they Good. say.
0: That's my word. Nobody uses my word except for me. Wow. That's the only word. I, know, I know words. I know the best words.
1: You sure do. <laughs> yeah.
0: Some of them we can't say on TV, like uh, George Carlin. Hey, we've got a fun show today. We got a special guest that you might not be familiar with the name but you would be familiar with the face and the work, and we'll get to that in uh, just a little bit. But uh, Mick, we've got a lot of business we've got to get to. Before that, let's go ahead, and you guys know where I'm going to start. You see the logo up in the corner. Uh, you see the, uh, the hat right there. You see the uh, T-shirt right there. They are all courtesy of our friends at Soda Stick. It's where you can get your official AWA Unleashed merch, Uh, to get the swag, we got the t-shirts, we got personalized hoodies, you guys, because we're now getting into, you know, late summer, early fall, I mean, let's just be honest, we're going to start to get a little bit cooler here, and you can get your personalized hoodie, you get your name in the, uh, in the corner, it's really cool, they're a little form-fitting, so if you're going to get it, go ahead and size up, but they are really cool, it's one of a kind, you're the only one that can get it with your name on it, unless you want other people to have your name on it, but, you know, that's you know, neither here nor there. Uh, if, if you like pizza and you got a body by pizza like me, then you definitely want to go to 7th Avenue Pizza, you guys. It is the best frozen pizza on the market. It's so good, you can't even tell it's frozen, you guys. I mean, it's fresh quality ingredients. They've got a meatball and a pepperoni. they got a Lucky 7. Uh, they got a bacon cheeseburger. They've got all sorts of, of different uh, varieties. 7thAvenuePizza.com. If you can't find it locally, it is uh, as the kids would say, it is the uh, the bomb.com. Uh, Mick, I know that as well. Um, oh, by the way, before we get to that, if you if you're wearing an AWA unleashed shirt or a hoodie, if you want to send it uh, to Mick at mickarcher gmail.com, um, just put your home to your uh, hometown, your favorite AWA wrestler in a picture. You. We'll get you on the podcast. Yep, we'll get we you. Next to our mug. And, I mean, who doesn't want their mug on top of our mug? Because then our mug isn't seen and your mug is seen. And your mug, frankly, probably looks better than our mugs.
1: 45 minutes elapsed time. 45 minutes.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, that being said, I know, Mick, um, you've got a, a big announcement, something that uh, that you're working on as well.
1: Yeah, we, we uh, are in the process of putting together, and it will happen, We don't know exactly when or where, but AWA Reunion number 2 will be happening in the Twin Cities. We will keep you updated as we get more information. Uh, The AWA guys that are still with us and particularly in the area that can make it down to sign some autographs and schmooze with you, they're going to be there. So hang tight. It's going to happen. The first one was extremely successful, and uh, we're going to do it again. Looking forward to it. Very soon. I am absolutely looking
0: forward to it and it's going to be a blast. It's something that, you know, you've kind of thrown around after you had the the first one that you said was so successful. So I'm really looking forward to it. And if you want to see us before then, we do know that on September 10th uh, up at Outstate Brewing in Fergus Falls, up in the Red River Valley before the below zero wrestling card, Mick and I are going to be up there with a live AWA Unleashed show. So uh, again, we are going to be up there. Our show starts at 3. Below Zero Wrestling starts at 4. You want to come? Say hi, chit-chat. Let's, uh, let's have some fun. But we do know that we are going to be at Outstate Brewing in Fergus Falls on September 10th. So that much we know.
1: And uh, you know what uh, Bobby Heenan would say about that? What? Bobby Heenan would say, so you guys are going to kill another territory. <laughs> well, absolutely. Burn it down. Here we Burn go. It
0: down. Burn it down. All right, Mick, uh, enough of me yammering on. We've got a fun guest this week. And again, might not know the name, but you know the work, and I'm sure for a lot of people, you're gonna recognize this individual.
1: Absolutely, and she is a great friend of mine. I have known this lady for going on five decades, which is amazing because she's only 37 years old, so I don't know how you do the math. But nonetheless, she is an award-winning photographer uh, of professional wrestling, a great ambassador for the sport. And my dear friend, and I'm going to get her name right, it's Joyce Paustian, all the way from sunny, tropical, beach-like Davenport, Iowa. Joycey, how are you?
2: Hey, Mick and Chris. It's great to be here. Uh, Like Mick said, we've known each other, it seems like, forever. And uh, this is just incredible that we're all still uh, enjoying the AWA. It's it's like a dream that never ends.
1: Just amazing. Just amazing. And, Chris, I know that uh, just recently in Waterloo, you had the opportunity to meet Joyce for the very first time.
0: The cool thing about this was that when I went there, And you were like, Hey, you know, I'm going to, you know, introduce you to some of my, you know, some of my friends including my friend Joyce, I met her. She was so approachable, just so friendly. And then you start to see, I'm like, she's pretty much everywhere. Like anywhere that something big was happening, she was there. And I mean, she was in the middle of it and for as busy as she was like, she was always approachable and she was always just very friendly. And I got to tell you, she's one of the main reasons we came in number two at the trivia question.
1: You're absolutely right. Yes, let's not forget it, about that. No, no, no. We we had several people that tried to undermine our efforts in the trivia contest. Uh, you know, certainly Woody Perkins uh, with with all the his wrestling knowledge, uh, kept interjecting the wrong. Yeah, you answer. couldn't you couldn't get him to be quiet. I, I'm no. like
0: Woody, pipe down now, pipe down.
1: Now, But uh, Joyce is great and uh, a great history in the business. So, Chris, why don't you kick it off?
0: Yeah, and for those that later on we're gonna have some treats for you that that are watching on YouTube because we're gonna have some of the well, you're gonna see what we're talking about. I I don't want to quite give it away, but we've got you guys are gonna be blown away by what you're gonna see later on. Uh, first of all, Joyce, like all of us, I, I mean, we were hooked on wrestling in some way, shape, or form. I mean. When it came to you, you were a fan first. So how did you get interested in Hooked on Wrestling?
2: Uh, well, it's uh, kind of interesting that I got interested and stayed, but uh, I was about 10 years old, and I saw it by accident on TV. No one in my family ever watched wrestling or knew anything about it. And uh, I saw it one Saturday night, and... I loved it immediately. I loved the good versus evil. I loved the people uh, in the interviews screaming and Mad Dog Bashan in particular, I thought was really cool. And uh, that, that was the kind of weird kid I was. And uh, I, I started watching it regularly and my parents never let me forget that this is just a passing fad. She'll, she'll grow out of it, she'll grow out of it. And they never did and so, God bless their souls uh they i I think they finally have accepted i'm I'm not gonna quit watching
1: <laughs> that, you know and that's so true for all of us Joyce you know the, the parents and the grandparents said this is going to be a passing fad you'll get yeah. over it and you know they told me you won't make any money in the business ever in that sense, you know since i I can't argue with them um, but, but, but did they ever
0: tell you you'd cost people money <laughs> that conversation
1: never came up but, <laughs> but at any rate uh joyce i mentioned that you are of course uh, in davenport and back in the awa in the territory days davenport was one of the stops the quad cities area uh regular stops for the awa talk a little bit about that the the, the towns that were involved the venues and so forth
2: yes that's right uh back in the early days of the awa uh there were really uh, it really was focused um mainly in the central midwest uh, they weren't on the east coast or west coast so much and uh, most of the the uh circuit was th- through driving and uh so they would try to go mostly uh illinois iowa uh, wisconsin and minnesota and uh we were right in the heart of that in the quad cities being moline davenport um, Bettendorf and East Moline uh, and uh, so it's it's sometimes it's the quad Cities, sometimes it's the quint cities we don't know <laughs> anyway. Uh, anyway Moline's Wharton field house goes way back uh since that was across the river my parents would never take me there though because even though it was only like 10 miles away from my house we couldn't go there because it was across the river and you had to have to cross the bridge you know to get there but in way. Oh, in the summertime it would come to the outdoor stadium in Davenport and that was only a few miles from our house just downtown and we would go there for ball games. so uh my my parents couldn't say well we can't go there but they uh so my mom took me for one of my birthdays and we uh uh she hated it I loved it um and from that point on uh I got my sister to take me until, until I was old enough to be on my own, but still they would only, until I was allowed to drive, uh, they would just drop me off and pick me up. <laughs> so,
0: well, well, I, I appreciate the resolve to like, Hey, this is what I want to do. I'm I'm going to do it. I'm going to be a fan. You know, it doesn't matter what everybody else thinks. Oh,
2: I I looked. I counted down the days till till the next card. And they and in those days they ran the towns almost every three weeks. Uh, I know, like Minneapolis, they would run every almost every week. But uh, Davenport, they would run every three weeks. And the interesting thing about Davenport was that Don Markson, our promoter, was uh, Vern Gagne's brother-in-law. So yeah so, so he uh, had a connection there and they uh uh i i got to know many of the marksons quite well they lived in town here and uh, their daughters would sell the programs at the show and his wife would sell the tickets and uh this uh, it was, it was just great
1: great stuff great stuff and, and you know somewhere along the line in those early years before you started doing this professionally you unfortunately got yourself involved in something called the Bockwinkle Brigade. Now, I've heard of it. I don't know all about it. I, You know, it's kind of notorious, but explain how you happened to trip into that manhole. Well, this is a family
0: show, you guys. It's a family show. <laughs>
2: yeah. uh, well, back in the day, they had uh, a lot of newsstands, you know, where you could buy your wrestling magazines, maybe five or six that uh, would be out there each month, at least down here anyway. And uh, I was always looking for uh, covers that had to do with, uh, it would be uh, the one I first purchased was Crusher and Red Bastine, I think Wrestling Monthly of February of 72, I believe. And uh, in that magazine, they'd have a fan club review. And uh, it would be uh, talking about... uh, Here's the best fan clubs. If you like this particular honoree, you could you can get uh, bulletins and you can get a membership card and a photo. And this is a really good fan club. And, and uh, the Bachwinkle Brigade. Even though I didn't really wasn't really sure if I liked Nick as a wrestler uh, at that time, it, the mixed uh, club got rave reviews. And I uh, uh, say so it's uh, by far the best uh, club out there. And so. Uh, I thought, well, what the heck, I'm going to give that a try. I wanted to join a fan club, you know, so. yeah. And you you just barely beat out the fan club for Dr. X, which later disbanded anyway, so. See, there you go. <laughs> so, there you go. It's great. So, I mean, what, was, what? That,
0: was that was that your first interaction with Mick then? Was that your first yeah. interaction, like, with Mick? Yeah, so four, back- 14, okay.
2: 14 years old, and I sent him uh, my check for my uh, – for my membership dues and I actually got the, my membership card uh, in the mail uh, um, and got my first bulletin and wow, it, I, it blew me away. Yeah, well,
0: you, was, you, were, you, you were putting money in Nick's pocket years ago and didn't even know it. How about that?
2: I think the first dues were $6 a year. <laughs> were they really? I
1: think so. No kidding. So I'm thinking back. So in grand total, I made $18 in. That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and thanks to Nick and Darlene, you know, they they tipped it a little bit. And so <laughs> uh, <laughs> they, gave you, they gave you the other 12. <laughs> they did. Uh Joyce, you know, looking back on that era, not only with Nick, but arguably that was the best era in the AWA you know nostalgically you can go back to the 60s but I'm telling you that roster in the 1970s beyond belief talk Mm -hmm. about that a little bit
2: yeah it it, it, I look back on that and you know even though I often wish that I would have been uh, around in the 60s to see some of those names the 70s I don't think you could beat it you had your Heenan family which was uh Nick Bachwinkel, Ray Stevens, and, of course, Bobby Heenan, the incomparable Bobby Heenan, uh, Bob Wharton. You had uh, Larry Hennig was still around. You had uh, Vern and the High Flyers. You had Billy Robinson. Uh, the Crusher was around, uh, in and out. Uh, you, it, it was just, And then, uh, then they brought in Lanza and Duncombe as the tag team champs, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, Angelo Muska, and then... Uh, uh, Lord Alfred Hayes and the start of the Super Destroyers uh, was just just star after star. You, you really didn't have any bad matches in those days. Even though you would only see four matches, particularly on, on a card in Davenport, every single one of them you wanted to be there for.
1: Yeah, I, I can't stress enough, that I, Chris, I, I know you're going to ask a question. Oh, no, 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 no.
0: Well, I yeah. mean, it's, it's, it's hard when, you know, because today, I mean, if fans are like, okay, well, I got four matches, well, I'm going to be bored as hell. But back then, like, you could have these longer matches with the bigger stars, and they would keep fans' attention. It's so hard to keep fans' attention and keep them engaged the way that these big superstars and these wrestlers back in the 70s could. Yeah,
2: that's right. They were – typical matches were – at least 20 minutes uh, in the openers and then 45 minutes for the one before the main event. And the main event would go, um, you know, an hour typically. And what was so great about those guys is they could tell the story so well. Just Nick would spend five, 10 minutes just stalling and pointing out things with the referee and uh, step, Mm -hmm. and Bobby would step out of the ring and then step back in and, and point something out. And the fans were just, riled up to the point of come on come on get him in the ring get him yeah and and it, we weren't yelling uh come on boring you know we were yelling uh this you, you really wanted them to get their due for, for-
1: it, it, it was called psychology something that uh you know is is sadly missing you know even 20 years ago nick was already kind of lamenting that it was now crash tv yeah, You know, where you got to get boom, boom, boom. Let's go to this match, this match, two minutes, three minutes. Let's, you know, so a uh, uh, totally, totally uh, different era. It was. It
2: was. Yeah. And, uh, I just feel very lucky that it was a part of it. You
0: know? Yes. Yeah. So, uh, like most fans here, Joyce, you know, we start taking pictures and we take pictures for fun. But you have now made that a career. Like how did you make the transition from being the casual amateur photographer and a fan into actually like getting in and, and being like the a professional photographer?
2: Well, that that professional part is kind of uh sort of like your preeminent podcast. It's self-proclaimed. This oh my was- god, just take the damn compliment. <laughs> <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, uh, I did start taking pictures for fun and, uh, I, uh, in from my ringside seat uh, because I wanted them for my collection and I got better and better at it and learned where, how to anticipate some of the moves and, and how to frame some of the pictures. Uh, and, uh, um, encountered Jim Melby of the um, Wrestling News, and he said, hey, your pictures are pretty good. You know, if you get some good ones, send them our way. Uh, never mentioned anything about pay. or <laughs> which, Of course not. Yeah. Why would they do that? Well, uh, we'll put your name down, and you'll have your name in the magazines. Uh, yeah, that's a good idea. So I sent them in uh, when I'd get a good shot, and uh, sometimes they would publish them, sometimes they wouldn't, but uh, I... I was always just thrilled enough to have my name in print in the in the uh, magazines. And uh, uh, then as I went on, a lot of these things I went to, uh, like, for instance, the Hall of Fame event that we uh, just met at, uh, I was the one that was going to these from the beginning. And I was the only one that had the pictures. So they said, how'd you like to be our official photographer? <laughs> and, so and, so
0: you just, yeah, because that kind of leads me into the next thing about Cauliflower Alley and the, the Hall of Fame. Like, so you just kind of stumbled into that. That wasn't like something that you were like, hey, I, I want to do this. Did, they just came to you and were like, they came to hey, me. We, we, right. we like what you do. Would you just mind kind of doing this for us?
2: Right. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it's hard to believe when you look at some of the CAC events nowadays when you see 25 photographers up there taking pictures uh, when somebody gets an award. But believe it or not, in some of the early CAC days when they first started letting fans in, um, they didn't have official photographers. And so I was up there taking pictures anyway. And they said, um, be sure you send those into the year newsletter because, you know, we need some pictures in there. Uh, Carl Lauer was the one that actually approached me there and said, uh, we need your pictures. And uh, um, then the the guy that was running the running the newsletter, he'd say, do you have any pictures of this guy? Do you have any pictures of that guy? We need the, we're going to do a story on this one. Do you have any pictures? And they'd reach out. And and to be fair, there were a couple of other guys taking pictures as well uh, at the CAC. So I would, uh, unlike the uh, Waterloo event, there were there were multiple photographers that would contribute to the year, but uh, yeah, I enjoyed it and uh, I was happy to share my photos and and get them out there and uh, uh, but again, mostly I was doing
0: it for my own memories. So well, and that, and that's really cool that people came to you based on the quality of your work and they're like, hey, would you mind sending us these pictures? And, I mean there are people that have to ask for those positions and, and they just, they came to you after the fact. I, I mean, that's, that's a hard thing for people to do nowadays. I,
2: I just, yeah, you know, cause so many, so many people want that. And the funny thing in the AWA, you know, is I, I also collected autographs over the years. And I want, because I want, it was a great way to meet the guys. And uh, they usually had a hard time saying no to a female. They would, I, I, I don't know why that was, but uh, I, if a guy came up, they'd often say, nah, I don't want to say any right now. Or, but if I would ask, usually, they'd like, oh, all right, you know. And, and then they'd say, and then uh, usually they'd say, where'd you get that photo? And I uh, said, so I took that photo it's you here can I get a copy of that you know typically and so um, a lot that was how I got a lot of the guys to start posing for me in the ring because they were they made, uh, wanted pictures of themselves they, they didn't have uh, like the WWE photographers uh, following them around where they would be, be able to do all kinds of promotional shots they, they were on their own and they were dependent on the fans to give them photos they, And I know at least one wrestler who uh, copied some of my pictures and sold them for his own autograph show, which is fine. I mean, yeah, uh, I considered it an honor.
1: You know, Joyce, you, you talked about kind of that in with the guys back then where they were, you know, you'd ask for the autograph, they'd see the picture, hey, you know, can you make me a copy? We came from an era where, you know, the kayfabe era, where it wasn't real easy to get up close and personal with the guys. Um, and you had to have some kind of a connection, some kind of an in. And that was kind of our, you know, that that was a, a, a crowning glory for us, you know, whether it was Nick or Bobby Heenan or whoever back in the day to be able to say, hey, yeah, this guy knows me. Oh, you know, he'll get us into the building. He's my friend. Talk about some of the guys that you had a, a more, close more personal relationship than others
2: well the funny thing is you're you're right i did not know about i mean I, i knew there was some kind of scripted uh uh level to to wrestling but i didn't really know about just how scripted it was or how um i didn't know about kayfabe so um but nick um i thought with joining the fan club and mentioning your name i thought that would really get me in but I didn't realize Nick had this persona of I don't talk to fans and I'm cool and I'm arrogant and if you could approach me in the in the uh, arena, I'm not gonna be nice to you at all. And that included me. He, he was he was very rude to me sometimes. <laughs> Unlike other times when he was only slightly rude. <laughs> so, but, but, I didn't and, know there was I didn't know there was a
0: Bachwinkle rude scale. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah,
2: yeah, there it is. <laughs> but uh and, but he was so genuine at the convention and people have said that nowadays you know where they see him at cac and he was so approachable and so easy to talk to and willing to talk um it wasn't that way for you and me nick it was yeah i think you remember you mentioned that you were scared to death the first time you pro- approached him absolutely um, yeah yeah but uh uh, it, that was the way I approached some of the other guys. Um, Angelo Mosca, for instance, uh, I showed him a picture, and uh, he said, "Oh, wow, that's a great picture. How can I get a copy of that?" And you know, I, um, I found out he was a nice guy. But it's some of the we, uh, I had a buddy of mine back then uh, who would uh, once in a while uh, drive some guys to the airport, and so I got to know some of them that way. Uh, because then, by that time, in the mid '70s, they had a uh, a plane that they would fly to the different towns in. Uh, so we uh, was lucky enough to get to know uh, uh, Lord Alfred Hayes uh, and, at the time, Super Destroyer Mark II. Well, and also Mark One Don Jardine uh, and Mark Two who. Uh, I've known almost as long as Mick now. Uh, I still know him as Sergeant Slaughter, but uh, we still laugh about that because uh, uh, Alfred would uh, try to k and call him uh, not call him Bob, you know, so he would call him Matt <laughs> Matthew. Matthew because that was uh, his uh, k name was Matt Burns, you know, and uh, and uh, he, uh, if I see you
0: shaking your head there, Mick, like, oh, my God, no.
2: Darned if he didn't tell me later uh, that he said, you know, Alfred called me Matthew my entire life. <laughs> he said I, they would just get so used to calling each other that I, he'd call him up and he'd say, you know, Mat- Matthew, <laughs> hello, Matthew.
1: <laughs> you know, unless, you know, fans are listening to it now in this day and age, you just cannot imagine the shit that we went through just to try to try to hang with these guys and, and you know put up with the cafe but I've before that's what earned you the respect and the trust is when you don't step over the line when you just kind of maybe silently you know shake your head and say to yourself yeah okay well whatever but as long as you kept your mouth shut and as long as you went along with what they were doing they finally accepted you.
2: Yep, that's exactly right. I mean, I w- we knew long before that that uh, you know it was Don Jardine and and Bob Remus and uh, w- but uh, my buddy and I just knew you don't say that to them because they'll clam up or they'll you know, all of a sudden you won't be trusted to to stay with them. But um, and you know the great thing was uh, seeing the, uh, seeing them without the mask. You know you just <laughs> and then. Uh, the funny thing, with I always got a kick out of uh, driving them in the car and and uh, seeing them put the mask on about uh, you know a mile and a half before you get to the arena, so the, like this guy rides around wearing a mask so, all the time. Was there w- w-
0: was there ever a time, Joyce, where you felt like you wanted to maybe I don't want to say cross the line, but maybe you wanted to ask a question that you thought might have been a little uh, you know, a little
2: risky, but you kinda had to uh, hold back. Oh, all the time. Yeah. And times that we would stop for food or something. Uh, they or they'd ask to stop uh, and get uh, at at a McDonald's or something or and always at a, a a liquor store or bar afterwards to to take on the plane with them, you know, for You're the kidding. a lot our long, oh, long wow. plane ride home, you know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway half the time I would always want to just say to people around, do you have any idea who these guys are? You know, and, but you know, you, you knew you couldn't because uh, it was, it, and you know you'd go out to the car and all these people would be standing around the car waiting and yelling at them, but you'd stop uh, on the other side of town and nobody knew who they were. And you know? it was just amazing. Incredible. But I, I wanted to, oh yeah, a lot of time. And there were questions I wanted to ask, uh, you know, like, well, I didn't even know that uh, some of them were going to leave town. Uh, Don Jardine, that caught me totally by surprise. And maybe he didn't even know it at that time. But I I was so surprised when he left town. And I so wanted to ask Alfred, what happened? You know, what happened with uh, Don
1: or what, James,
2: as he called him at the
1: time? <laughs> what, a, what a far different era. You know, now, yeah. three weeks before a guy leaves the territory, we're reading it on the Internet. You know, <laughs> No, no surprises at all anymore. I want to ask you, this is kind of an interesting question. The guys that you hung around with, I know there was one guy in particular that actually when he retired from professional wrestling, he went into another line of work. And I believe this was the insurance business. And somehow or other, he, he attempted to recruit you to open up a branch office in Davenport, Iowa,
2: can you, can you explain that a little bit, please? Yeah, I believe that would be the no longer rude Nick Backley <laughs> Uh Yeah, by this time, I had Nick trusted me, and we were we were sort of I thought good friends as good friends as he when well, nick one time explained to me like that he considered you know family and friends in his inner circle and then he had uh, the people in the business that were the uh uh in in the business of the awa the next circle and that close fans like me were in his third circle so ah. you know i guess that's as high as i was gonna ever get but <laughs> uh but anyway yeah he uh as he retired, I thought, "Oh, this is sad because uh, I'm not going to see Nick anymore." And he still lived in Minneapolis at the time. And uh, I had an aunt that lived in Minneapolis, and so I would be up there sometimes. And I would go to a, a, car, a local card, uh, and uh, I had Nick's phone number, and so I, he he had told me, "Call sometime if you're in in the area, and uh, we'll have breakfast or lunch." And, and.
1: what a nice gesture!
2: Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that that came with. Uh, an insurance pitch <laughs> and I, I don't, I would have felt bad if he didn't try to sell me insurance because I know he was trying to sell insurance to everybody out there uh, at the time, back to the point where people were turning and running the other way. Which... <laughs> so he would have been better off trying to make you sell Amway. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he, uh, you know, he, he needed another line of work. He was far too young to retire totally. So, uh, yeah, he, uh, We went to Perkins in, uh, I think it was in St. Louis Park uh, uh, at the time, and uh, we met for breakfast. And uh, found out later, even his wife said, "You're really going to try to sell her insurance." (laughs) 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 And he said, "But you know, they tell you in insurance school, you know, to just consider anybody in your life a potential client. You know, yeah, that's how you that's how you grow your business." (laughs) And so. I still have my notes from uh, uh, that he wrote out for me, uh, that uh, explaining all the benefits of uh, why I should be buying whole life insurance from him, and uh, and then come to find out, you know, since I was lived in Iowa, he wasn't—he was only really licensed to sell in Minnesota. So (laughs) So, he did say to me. and Mick can do it better than I can, but he can, uh, uh, Joycey, uh, you know, if uh, if it was worth my while, I could uh, get my license in Iowa.
1: <laughs> and, Always a swerver. Always playing the game, you know, and, and we'll go on to uh, some of your pictures here in a second. I know Chris has another question, but you, you struck a, a chord with me about Nick. I remember after he retired. I would get him on Saturday night at ringside to make a guest appearance. And of course, you know, this is in 1990. Everybody's thrilled to see Nick. And it was a five-minute segment. And Nick would always say to me ahead of time, will we have any time to talk about my business? I said, sure, Nick. You know, about the last minute or so, give your business a plug. Well, no sooner did I introduce the guy... Nick, how are you doing? Well, uh I'm uh, Mickey my boy. I'm at the Leneve Financial Group and 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 that was it. And at about the last 40 seconds you would talk about Mad Dog Bashat. Well thanks, champ. You know, thanks for, for stopping by. <laughs> I'll send you the bill. But <laughs> it uh, boy, talk about a, a smooth operator, huh? What what a guy.
2: Well, just, just for the record, I never did buy any insurance from him, and so I don't think he ever got his whole license. <laughs> but I did keep the notes that it just as a souvenir. Man. It's, it's always I, a fond memory. I,
0: w- I would have had no idea. Uh, I, I know that you're a big fan. I mean, there's no question about that. And when we look behind you, we see that there are – and I'm going to actually bring you in the solo layout even though I'm talking – uh i can see all of the programs behind you and i see the mask and i mean there's just a a whole bunch of memorabilia did i read that right that you actually had a television station in davenport that came and did a feature on you
2: yes that's correct um i um this is actually just a small portion of my collection that i brought up for this occasion um i actually have it in the basement of our house uh, and uh, my husband's a gem in that he, you know, just uh, tolerates my wrestling. Not only tolerates, but helps support my wrestling uh, obsession. Everybody needs. A, everybody needs a spouse that uh, yeah. can, can enable them. Uh, but uh, anyway, I, yeah, I, uh, th- our newspaper at at the time, the Quad City Times, put out a, a plea for anybody that has kind of a fun con- collection. They'd like to do a story on them, and uh, I hemmed and hawed about it for a long time because, you know, you, you never know what kind of weird the letters you're going to get when you put your wrestling collection out there, and especially when you're a female and you, you don't know what kind of people you're going to find out about. Uh, I mean, you're, you're asking for a whole bunch of crazies
0: to, yeah. to <laughs> yeah. kind of, well, you
2: know, God knows what. But I also thought, well, I hate keeping it hidden all the time and i've spent a long time at this and i i think i have somewhat of an interesting story to people and you know there are still a lot of wrestling fans around the quad city so um so i i finally sent it in and and there was no guarantee that they were going to do the story so i sent it in and said i have this professional wrestling collection i've been watching it for 35 years and uh, i i collect all this stuff and i and i sent some photos in um and the gal that did was the reporter on it she was she went crazy she said this is fantastic this is this is beyond amazing I, we, you know how soon can we come over and so they did they ended up running a story on it i was very happy with how it came out but then um, three four days later i get a call from the the local tv station and they said uh, Fran Riley was the guy's name and he turns out he was a fan of the WWWF, uh, in the old days, he came from the East coast and he said, um, I want to talk to you about your wrestling collection and, uh, got it from the times reporter. And we, uh, we'd love to do a, a segment on you for the, for the local news feature. And I was like, eh, I don't know, you know, uh, being in the paper is one thing, but I don't know if, uh, I don't know if I want to do uh, a, a TV thing, and he says, oh, "I promise, you, it'll, it'll be great. It'll be great." And uh, so they brought a TV camera over, and he was a huge fan, and it, it turned out really fun, really fun. Uh, in fact, he uh, during the segment, he uh, I I purchased, I uh, won an auction to win that uh, uh, Dr. X mask behind me, and during the segment, he actually uh, put the Dr. X mask on. <laughs> <laughs> to uh, To introduce the section, the segment, and it, it turned out really funny. The weather and the weather guy got involved in it, and uh they still. I I've seen the weather guy since then, and he still. He says that was one of my favorite all time segments. <laughs> so. That's
1: that's that's great. And you know, some. And I actually at one time had quite a bit of Joyce's collection in my home as well. At <laughs> one time, but mysteriously over the years that they appeared on eBay and I I have no idea how that happened. I, you know, somebody must've gone into my house and pilfered and then put something up on eBay.
2: When you give something, (laughs) how long they're going to keep it or whether they're going to, you know, the wrestlers sometimes want things personalized so that they know the guy won't sell it. I I guess I should have done that.
1: (laughs) Another story for another time. All right. We've been talking about pictures for uh, uh, quite a while now. So let's get to them. I don't know what the order is that we're gonna see these pictures, but as we bring them up, Joyce, uh, you know, if you could describe the who, what, where, and how, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Ah, great shot.
2: Uh, this is from CAC, and this was Kenny J getting uh an award you know kenny was uh, kind of overlooked for a lot of years but he was just as much a part of the business as, as any of the guys I, i'm sure nick would have told you that uh, he was so important and what a great guy and uh still around and uh, just loved by everybody um rick grinslow and and uh, reggie parks on on their side uh they're congratulating him uh I think those are three of the guys that you would never find anybody to say a bad word about there. They're just terrific. And everybody was so happy for Kenny. I, I couldn't help uh, uh, capturing that moment.
1: What a great picture. What a great picture, indeed. And, and Rick and Reggie, of course, no longer with us. Uh, that, that's a great memory. All right, moving on. Next photo. Let's see. Ah, look at that. Look at that. There, there's a very astute Learned man no question about it
2: well you know the the intelligent sensational destroyer but you know this is one of those situations where uh you you're at a a dinner and i was um lucky enough to be asked to be at his table and i was you know not going to take any pictures because i was just it was just a casual uh A friendship dinner there but when he put those glasses on over the mask I just could not help myself (laughs) and it wasn't like for a gag photo it was (laughs) I I mean the one of the wonderful things about Dick Byer is he kept kayfabe alive by wearing (laughs) the mask wherever he went and when you look at him there you look like he could still be the wrestler and that's what I loved about it it Instantly takes you back to the time. I love
0: that picture like that. That is one of the favorite pictures that I've seen. I, I love that one.
2: <laughs> so he put on his glasses to read them, the program and uh, it, w- it wasn't a gag. <laughs> he was serious. I, I need my glasses to be able to see the program, but I'm not going to take my mask off.
1: <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so, Amazing. All right. Continuing on. Let's see. We Oh, another, another great shot.
2: Yeah, and I don't know if you can see it in the uh, picture, but uh, this is reuniting uh, Baron with the former tag partner from the Mid Atlantic, uh, who also wrestled in the AWA, J- Jimmy Valiant. But if you can see on Baron's uh, name tag, it says not Ben Affleck. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, there is that definite resemblance there. There is, oh, yeah. Yeah. Usually, Baron goes with George Clooney because uh, they're they're a lot closer uh, um, looking. But uh, this time, he chose Ben Affleck and Baron just such a dry sense of humor. And again, three guys that you just couldn't find uh, uh, anything bad to say about it. And it was really neat to see Jimmy and uh, Baron, Baron back together again. That that was in two thousand four at the CAC.
1: Beautiful photo. And there's a couple of guys very familiar. Uh, to AWA wrestling fans, the High Flyers.
2: This is uh, in Chicago um, by uh, um, at the uh, Rosemont Horizon in 1985, and they uh, it was hard to get the two of them posed together. I mean, they were they were more than willing to pose in the back, but to get the two of them posing together was very difficult because usually they'd be signing autographs or one of them would jump over the rope or. Uh, they'd kind of go their own separate ways. So I was really happy to get the two of them together. This was actually after the match when they had won, and they were going against uh, Kendo Nagasaki and Mr. Saido. And, oh, gosh. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the, with on the, um, uh, being a smaller photo there, um, I don't know if you can see it, but if you look really close on uh, the left side of Greg's stomach, you can see that there's green mist uh, going down his stomach. <laughs> Where at the beginning of the match, you know, Kendo Nagasaki uh, uh, blows the the green mist out. And uh, at one point during the match, Greg had it all over his stomach. But luckily, most of it had worn off by hair.
1: Yeah, let, let's be clear Greg didn't do that on purpose himself. He didn't you know, go into the ring with green mist on, it was because of Kendo Nagasaki.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Way to, way to ruin the illusion for me, man. I gotcha.
2: God. All
1: right, let's, let's uh, move ahead. Another photo. Coming up. Ah, I see. Could,
2: could it, you know, that's what I love about it. That was from Rockford, Illinois. And, I've you know, that belt was huge. And if you saw it on some of the other guys that wore it, it just, to me, didn't look as as great as it ever did on Nick Bockel. Uh he, and I love the background in Rockford because they've got that uh, uh, sp- that banner that looks like a peacock in the background that, and it just made a great backdrop for photos. But Nick knew exactly how to pose. He knew I was out there taking photos of him, and uh, he posed to be like a champion and the ultimate confident champion. And, uh, and
0: uh, that's uh, great. So- I just want to ask you this, Joyce, before we get to our next one. Like, when you're out there, do you tell guys beforehand, like, "Hey, I'm going to be here. I want you to give me such and such a pose"? Or did did you have that communication with them, or (laughs) was all of this just like, just like happenstance? Oh, this was all
2: happenstance. No, I mean, I don't recall any photographers being allowed in the in the dressing area at that time or having access to any of the guys. I, that was, that would be rare. Um, okay. uh, there was one time when Nick, uh, and I have a, I didn't bring it, but, the, uh, there's a famous picture of that I took of him with the belt where he's got a blue shirt on. That's got the, uh, embroidery up here. And he asked me if, uh, if I could take a picture of him wearing that because his wife had done the embroidery on it. And uh, he ended up keeping that and giving that to her with him holding the belt. And that's so how I but um, no, it would have to be something that the wrestlers themselves asked for. I, I had no access. I just shot and hoped for what I could get. I was doing it for the, the magazines. Uh, and they really didn't know ahead of time what what they were. They usually got the photos and then wrote the story around the, the okay. photos or tried to match the photos up with oh, wow. the, okay. the stories they would get. Uh, okay. So it, it was not near as organized as it is today okay i i was just curious how that yeah uh, how that good worked. question good
1: question oh there he is there's the, the the man the myth the legend the man that made Milwaukee famous
2: yeah the crusher now this was uh in uh Ma- they had expanded to madison wisconsin by this time uh and you know I, I i guess i didn't mention that davenport stopped running uh around 79 because this crowd crowds were down and they moved started moving so i was having to travel to Rockford and Wisconsin to get to wrestling. But anyway, uh that was uh toward the end of Crusher's career and in the ring. But you know, fans still loved him. Absolutely. And my favorite thing about that is that when he grabbed a, tried to grab a chair, most of the time you grab a chair and it's a folding chair, you take a look at that chair. That 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 would do some damage if you got it. Yeah, that was the the way they in their high school, they had uh uh solid chairs that didn't fold up. So
1: AWA Hall of Famer, you know, legend, whatever. We go from one Crusher to another Crusher. This one's just slightly larger than our previous Crusher. There's Big Jerry.
2: Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because he was going against Crusher that night in Rockford. You know, probably uh, uh, some uh, gimmick of who could continue to use the name Crusher. Yeah. But uh, the... The amazing thing about Jerry Blackwell was how agile he was and what a nice guy he was, too. You know, he just had that southern charm about him, and uh, uh, he would pose for pictures. And <laughs> Barron has a great story about um, Jerry Blackwell, and and kind of speaks to <laughs> maybe how he got so big. But he said, uh, he said uh, You know, that burger place down the street on uh, Main Street there, I really love their burgers. And he says, he he says oh really what's so special oh they're nice and greasy (laughs) that's good god love him he loved his burgers oh
1: yeah he loved his burgers and his candy and everything else uh another just a a terrific talent man was jerry blackwell to me one of the greatest and most underrated awa stars ever
2: yeah i love and loved the uh the, the feud with the sheep where they would call him Jerry Fatwell, you know. You could never get away with that nowadays, you know. But,
1: no, so. no, no, absolutely not. All right. Wow. There he is. Here's our friend, the late, great Joe Laurinaitis. Where was this one?
2: This is also in Rockford, um, and it was shortly after they – that that was the first time I saw the new AWA tag belts. And uh, so I was looking to get a picture of it. And I love here how they're the, – um, uh eye makeup had really advanced Yeah. road warrior um pictures they would just have like war paint on their face almost and uh, by this time he was really uh painting it good i mean it would wouldn't last long so that obviously this is at the beginning of the of the match but uh i was trying hard to get a picture of the two of them in, in a tag match but uh they again they don't stand together Part of what uh, Chris was saying, if you only you could have gotten a, a hold of him and said, "Okay, while you have the belts on, stand together," you know. But no, they were just getting ready for the match. And, and
1: look at that man uh, Hawk, my God, uh, you know, put together.
2: Yeah, look at those muscles. I mean, he's uh, pushing down on the ropes and just showing those those guns there. Um, what I would love about Hawk is sometimes he wear that uh, dog collar around his neck and yes. pop it off uh, with by tensing his muscles, you know, and, and expect the uh, ring guy to catch it.
1: You know? <laughs> well, you know, that, that's really no big deal, because I can do that. But that was with a double chin. I the pop <laughs> Dog collar it had nothing to do with any muscle or anything else.
0: Yeah, I, I believe they call that uh, from the XL to a double XL move. Something like that. Don't worry about it. Let's move on to the next, uh,
1: the next I'm
0: one. I'm just trying to contribute.
1: <laughs> Let's move ahead. We got another shot coming up. I believe these are great Joyce. I mean, these, these memories are so, lots,
2: so, lots of good memories. Ah,
1: there they go.
2: Yeah. yeah. This was, uh, the, uh, the start of the sheiks, you know, you had, first you had Sheik Adnan, and he would wrestle a lot of the guys. And then he had to bring in some additional sheiks and, uh, Ken Patera, you know, former Olympian, now a Sheik. that was that brought a lot of heat, and then eventually, you know, Jerry Blackwell was also a Sheik for a while. But uh, this was uh, kind of in the spring of '83 in Rockford, uh, getting ready to to face. Uh, uh, I'm trying to remember who they were facing here. Uh, oh, okay, uh, Ryan, uh, yeah, Ryangets. It was uh, Patera against Guns. So that would be. Uh, you know, the Olympian that turned bad versus uh, the the still good guy Olympian. And then uh, uh, Sheik was at ringside and doing all his dirty tricks. So the, the crowd loved that.
1: And then, of course, in the dying days of the AWA, you had Ringens teaming up with Ken Patera. <laughs>
2: That's the Olympians, yeah. <laughs> so,
1: you know, all, all was forgotten, all was forgiven. These are outstanding memories. Now, that guy there, once again, Brad Pitt. I never knew that brad pitt actually got in the ring and wrestled uh, but we'll see it right here oh, yeah this
2: is uh this one it means a lot to me just because they were two uh, former um bad guy wrestlers you know i remember uh i uh, jack lanza as being uh, the 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 heel with bobby heenan you know and then uh, so to see Baron, who was also, you know, one of the ultimate heels back in the day, uh, he had turned uh, fan favorite by this time. And uh, this was actually a tag match with Heenan, Heenan and Lanza. And uh, uh, he put the claw on Lanza. And, you know, the great thing about this is uh, you either come away with uh, a black shoe polish on your hand or, or a... <laughs> or Jack Lance's hair would be sticking straight up. <laughs> oh, yeah. so, so, but it was uh, right on my side of the ring. So um, I just snapped it and it turned out really great.
1: Great stuff. Great, great stuff. All right, Chris, we got another one coming up here, buddy. I know we're down to just a couple of minutes. These are such great memories. Oh no. Oh my gosh. No, no, I pick, I could, no. I, I couldn't, I couldn't,
0: I couldn't pixelate that one enough. Hold on. Let's, just should the right
1: uh, there, okay. Take a look God. at that. You know, you obviously saved the worst for last. Um, what Joyce was this 1974 77 77? Wow, yeah, and you know, something I, I, I think you're smiling because you realize I just pickpocketed your purse and you caught me red handed.
2: Uh, I I, I, either am thinking this guy is really full of it or... Or, or, it's I wow, this guy is so cool. Uh, I I got to get to, got to get uh, on the inner circle of this guy. No, it's got to be the first. Got to be the. First. I'm, I'm still gotta working, still fun. working on that. Yeah,
1: <laughs> got to be the first one because clearly he did. You absolutely no good for the next forty. <laughs> yeah, so still,
2: still waiting for him to return some of those phone calls. Yeah, don't
1: worry about it. <laughs> that that's a great shot. And of course, it, uh, I believe was hit at one of the Bachwekel.
2: Convinced. It was, it was. See, I mean, I, I,
1: I can't begin to tell you not only how great this trip down memory lane has been, your pictures are phenomenal, but just the memories reliving them, it takes you right back to the, the the great days of the AWA. And as far as you and I are concerned, I'm I tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, I've been around this business a long, long time. There is nobody that is kinder. Nobody that is more sincere than Joyce Poston, who has a wonderful, well-deserved reputation among the boys and the fans. And what a kick to have you on the show.
2: Well, thanks a lot, Mick. I appreciate that. And uh, I'll be sending that check to you later. i um, And if I can have just uh, 10 seconds to give a plug, I am, I am working on a book. Um, of some of my photos of the AWA memories. So um, I don't know when it'll be out, but I'm hoping uh, late, late this winter. So
1: that is
2: fantastic. Awesome. That's awesome.
0: Well, I, I mean, I appreciate this Joyce and I'll echo what Mick said. I have known you for a very, very brief period of time, but you were nothing but cordial to me when I first met you. So thank you for being approachable and thank you for joining us.
2: Well, and I was very impressed by your wrestling knowledge, Chris. I thought maybe you were just a techie guy, you know, but you you answered a lot of those trivia questions. I was like, whoa, this guy knows wrestling. Stop.
0: Oh. It's, it's just stop. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, let's be honest. We wouldn't have won without you.
2: Okay. But, uh, hey,
0: Joyce, sit tight. We'll, uh, we'll hang with you in a little bit.
2: Thanks again, guys. All right. There
0: she is. And it, it was great here, Mick. We got about three minutes um why don't you tell us about uh what you got coming up uh in the uh potential big event coming up this fall if maybe people hadn't heard
1: well again we're gonna try to do it a second time the awa reunion number two we're gonna see uh which of the awa guys are in and around the twin cities area you know and and can come in uh for this the first one in the middle of a blizzard uh, we had a, a standing room crowd, very, very successful. And as we get the the information, the date, the time, the place, etc., cetera, the lineup, we're going to pass it mm-hmm. out. So look forward to that.
0: Yeah, and no doubt about it. Um, Want to thank 7th Avenue Pizza. Check him out. Soda stick, of course, uh, doing a great job. We got our first uh, AWA Unleashed live in Fergus Falls, the first one in the Red River Valley, you guys. Uh, September 10th before the below zero wrestling card uh, at outstay brewing company. Uh, Check it out there and uh, let's go ahead and give some shout outs here, Mick.
1: All right. I want to give a shout out to my buddy on the Bayou uh, down there in Louisiana, John DuPont. Uh, He is such a loyal listener to the podcast. Uh, AWA fan through and through and uh, continuously contributes on Facebook with this comments and suggestions. So big John down on the Bayou.
0: And uh, I'm going to thank Brad Morrison uh, at the Brad Morrison on Twitter. Uh, Always retweets, always likes uh, always asking questions. So appreciate all the support. If you have not joined our AWA unleashed fans page, go to it on Facebook, AWA unleashed fans. It's specifically for the podcast. So, Hit it up. Uh, Jeremy and Brian do a great job with it. Uh, I think it was Brian's brainchild. He came to us, and we're like, absolutely, if you want to do it. And uh, it's been great. So uh, we got a lot of things going on, and I've got something big planned for next week. Hopefully, you guys have been uh, enjoying it. Rate, review, subscribe, YouTube, Pandora, Spotify, MySpace, uh, wherever you get it. And uh, just add us as uh, one of your eight friends on MySpace, and uh, we'll be okay. So uh, that being said, man, this was, this was fun, Mick. Always, always a fun
1: day. Good stuff. Love Joyce Postion and uh, love our fans, our listeners, our viewers. We hope you have a good week.